I'm going to end up putting a lot of this in your hands because I know people have different takes and different um, levels of uh, investment in the material here and different research being done. But the truth is that so much is being said at this point that it's, in all likelihood, there's going to be about a 95% overlap between anything anybody says that isn't pure opinion. And probably quite a bit of overlap on that. Although so, we, we come from different experience points, so leaning into that's not bad. I actually invited Brian because um, he called me last night, and it wasn't five minutes in the conversation before he brought it up, and then we were on the phone for two hours. Can, can right. we say that, that uh, we come from different milestones instead of experience points? Because I haven't used experience points. Yeah. <laughs> not experience points. Points of experience. Once we hit the party of seven, I don't remember the multipliers. and <laughs> It's a divisor. Oh I guess my you God, can multiply people. by the mul multiplicative inverse, but still, no. It'd still Stop be easier math. than what they say. <laughs> the following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program dedicated to table rock, table, table rock. <laughs> Try again. Take two. Take two. <laughs> Any other oh, questions? Where, where, where was I at in that order? After Ken. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually set you guys up on my screen in the order that I said. So it made it That's easy what for I did me. too. I moved the zoom panes. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm after Vanessa. That's all I care about. <laughs> what? Me too? Pervert. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, <laughs> welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material. A presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Brian, and I'm John. And that is a lot. <laughs> wow! Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, at the uh, well, I mean, it's actually earlier for me than it is for you, but it is on a Saturday morning. In uh, mid-January, in the year of 2023. I just want to timestamp it a little bit because everything we're about to talk about over the next hour or whatever is going to be um, obsolete by tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, I do want to slip in, Tuesday. before we get into the main topic, I do want to mm -hmm. slip in happy birthday, Alicia, because it's her birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, happy birthday. birthday. That's fantastic. Uh, Brian had a birthday this week, too. Nice. Yeah, Happy did. few days Happy after birthday, birthday, Brian. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, so anybody that's listening may wonder why we got such a big panel together, although you probably saw the title of the episode before getting into it, and that probably didn't tell you much either, come to think of it, because I'm not very good at just putting plain Jane, this is what we're talking about, titles up. So I'll make sure I don't do that this time either. Uh, right. What we're going to discuss, because nobody else is, so clearly <laughs> it needs to be talked about. Nobody. <laughs> no. Nobody. <laughs> nobody, so on, nobody on my YouTube subscription feed. Nobody on my uh, social media feeds. You know, in fact, the only place it isn't being discussed appears to be uh, Discord, on uh, my Discord channel. That's just because we haven't been talking this week. You, well, you need to be following people who haven't signed NDAs. Right? I, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so, um, yeah. Wow. How, how to put this? So there, there's um, a bit of a kerfluffle. I love that word. It hides all manner of sins. 
uh, in the uh, tabletop gaming world this last couple weeks, particularly the last several days. And uh, it is, if you are at all plugged into the uh, Dungeons & Dragons social presence out there on the interwebs, absolutely impossible to avoid right now. So when this first came up a couple, has it been, has it been a couple weeks, maybe 10 days, something like that, when it first really yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> right. hit, kind of slammed into us for out of nowhere. I mean, I realized it had been building and bubbling since like December or something. But since it hit us kind of out of the blue, and I, I mean, my first reaction was, oh, I really don't necessarily care a lot about this right now. A couple, a day or two later, it was like, okay, I do kind of care because I wasn't really paying that close of attention before, but this is all going to blow over. This is some misunderstanding or somebody making a mountain out of a molehill and we're just going to kind of move on and it'll be fine. And again, a couple of days, people are going to rant because they like to rant. People are going to be clickbaity because they like to be clickbaity. (laughs) This is the internet of today. And a couple of days after that, it was like... Okay, this is getting annoying. Nobody's talking about anything else anymore. Uh, you know, I <laughs> I actually want, want to appreciate some of the people on Discord for talking about other shit this week. By the way, I I I applaud you. Uh, they they're not. By the way, the people in question are not D and D centric people. I won't mind. I can't mention they, they're Come into to our other role playing irrelevant conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and then. After a couple more days, it was like, okay, I guess I have to talk about it because it isn't fucking going away. It just kept snowballing and getting bigger and bigger. And I I need to put this out there right now, okay? This to the listeners, and I appreciate you so much. And you guys know we've been doing Metagamers Anonymous now. I've been doing Metagamers Anonymous now for uh, over 10 years. And, uh, I mean, we've covered a lot of topics in that time, and we've tried to be fairly system agnostic in a lot of the show. Not all of it by any stretch, because we often talk about the game that we are playing at the time, the games that we're playing at the time. Right now, it's been a lot of D&D. And and so, I mean, that tends to be a focus, but not because it's by any stretch the focus of the show. But there is something to be said for the fact that as a old school gaming nerd at this point, and somebody who has been doing this shit since the 80s, and somebody who has been plugged into the online gaming community since there has been an online gaming community and somebody who was there when the OGL was introduced and who was interested in what was happening to the industry and who watched third edition become this massive juggernaut with all this inclusion of other creators and all this other content. As, As Brian reminded me in a conversation last night, in 2002, we were sitting there going, hey, you know, let's write this product. We got an idea. Let's do this. You know, And then somebody else would come out with exactly what we were talking about. Oh, no, okay. Well, okay, we'll do this other thing then, and we'll do this. We got this idea. Somebody would come out exactly the same. There was so much content being created that supported the game we love to play, and it was Amazeballs, up until around 2008 or so. <laughs> and then it got weird. And I will touch on some of the historical points because I think they're relevant. But frankly, there's not a lot of new information there. Uh, what's going on? And I will, I'm will. i going to hand this over in pretty short order to uh, people on the panel who have been doing more research this week. Uh, I would say more research than I have, but I, again, unavoidable. Up, yeah, you couldn't I, get away from it. <laughs> it really kind of depends on what you call research, right? I didn't have to go looking for anything. Yeah. I didn't have to dig. And I still got a, a diverse platform of opinions and a lot of different angles and information. Uh, 
I knew this was a huge topic, not just in this community. When I started seeing it being reported on other content I follow that is has nothing to do with D and D whatsoever. Right. right. It, there's a YouTube channel. Most a lot of people know Linus Tech Tips. And they have a weekly podcast called The WAN Show. <laughs> yes, I watched and that last night. The last two oh, weeks man. they've talked about it on The WAN Show because of how big this has become on the internet. Brian, didn't you say DeFranco did a piece on it this week? Yeah, I saw a piece on the Philip DeFranco show. Uh, and of course, I saw I, I, I used to play Magic. I don't anymore. But uh, I still watch uh, like Alpha Investments and that sort of stuff. And uh, they talked about he talked about it on his channel as well. And, uh i saw it in like my fantasy grounds discord server that's actually that's where i first heard about it because i hadn't really been tuned into anything and i was checking fantasy ground stuff and i saw this thing about our 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 dungeons and dragons modules going to keep working that we purchased and that caught my eye because i was like yeah is my hundreds of dollars still going to work <laughs> yeah very right. good question. I, I do want to drop my, because you know how I am uh, about disclaimers, uh, definitely nothing here, legal advice, everything here, personal opinion, and our own interpretations of what we've read from other sites. But we are fucking experts yes. right. in the field. Do your own research. <laughs> not at D&D. But, but not legal <laughs> advice. No. <laughs> Uh, no, what we are is like, like everybody else out there who's just talking about this most, I mean, 98% yeah. of everyone else out there, what we are, are fans of the, Absolutely. of the game and of the community of the other games that are out there that in one way or either directly or indirectly, or even circumspectly affected by this, the entire industry is shaken by this. There are certainly elements of it. There are people I follow online because being involved in uh, the industry at this level, a lot of the people I'm connected with online are industry people. And so, you know, I'll, when I saw some of those people that are like, like Shane Hensley from, you know, Pinnacle responded, it was very classy. But again, his company doesn't necessarily rely on the OGL for much of anything. You know, right. uh, Savage Worlds, Deadlands, games like that, they don't, <laughs> they're not OGL games. It doesn't mean they're not affected by it, right? It doesn't mean we're not right. all affected by it. And he is—he in fact made a, a statement I saw last night that said, you know, we—you know—we have decided to go ahead and kind of sign up with um, the thing that that I think Paizo is doing, the yeah. ORC. Yeah, the ORC. The, the time, time of the, of the work. work. <laughs> I, I love it. that. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So, uh, instead of just kind of jumping around a little bit, uh, let's go ahead and kind of start at the beginning and just kind of give a very brief capsule, uh, description of what's happening. And, um, I, I don't know if anybody really wants to feel that. Um, I'm definitely up in volunteers here. I guess I will say like going all the way back to the, uh, original LL. O OGL. OGL. I keep wanting, I was about to say ORC, but the open game license 1.0 a, the biggest thing I've noticed, I've actually read through that whole thing. It's like a page and a half. Yeah. And then you look <laughs> at this leaked 1.1 and it's 15 pages of legal speak that I could not make it through all of. <laughs> I was just kind of shocked at how there, it, it almost seems like they were intentionally trying to make it difficult to understand for your average gamer like us. Well, I think they're trying to do a whole so, lot more with it, too. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, definitely. Well, they're trying to claw back control. Right. Um, but more than that, but, I mean, they're, they're trying to get some very specific control. And I think in some cases, the, the control isn't always wrongheaded, I don't think. 
I agreed. Well, okay, let me let me back that up. I think some of the motives behind some of the things they're trying to do are <laughs> good, but I think in the end they're also probably huge mistakes. But yeah, um, I mean, if we want to do a quick, I mean, the the very high level well, thing, just as far as the o- OGL goes, is third edition. They saw the marketplace; it was fractured, it was dying out. They needed something to reinvigorate things. They knew that they needed to build community, so they created the original OGL, which was very open. Um, and it allowed for third-party publishers to use the core system, and that would lift all boats and build a sort of community around collaborative stuff. Um, there, This was also at a point in sort of general work where um, open-source software development was very popular and, and starting to really pick up. Um, you know, Apache, Red Hat, Linux, all that sort of stuff is really starting at about the same time. So this open-source movement bleeds into uh, uh, game development as well. When they released 4th edition, they clawed some of that back, and a lot of the companies that had been doing stuff in 3rd edition decided to stay with 3rd edition and keep yeah. working with that license, like Pathfinder, uh, like Paizo did with Pathfinder anyway. Because the uh, OGL didn't apply to 4th. Right. right, and so that that all worked. 5th edition has been, the, the OGL that, that works with 5th edition, it's, a, again, a very different uh, landscape. Um, they have, it's sort of a couple of tiered where there's an OGL and there's also, uh, what you can do through, uh, DMs Guild and stuff like that. There's two different things there. Um, which there always has been to some degree, right? The, even the original D20 license was separate from the OGL and third edition. It's like, here's, here's the open gaming license. Anybody can do anything with it. As long as you follow these rules, here is the D20 license. If you want to reference our game specifically, these are the rules you have to follow and And, and you may have to make deals. There's, there's a lot of factors that have always influenced, um, the choices that the, that Watsi and Hasbro have made about those licenses, uh, some of which have to do with the gaming industry at the time, some of which have to do with business realities at the time. Um, some have to do with the particular attitudes and strategies of the people in charge. But, um, I mean, it's it's changed basically with every edition. And, you know, it, it seems to vacillate between open, restrictive, open, restrictive. Um, so this is really going over on the restrictive side. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's the very high level recap of the whole but history of it. It also smacks of a desire to get rid of the open side completely. Right. But um, right. no, I I visualize it basically. The path here is uh, the OGL is like the albatross. It was a a sign of success at the beginning of this adventure. And here, twenty three years later, Watsi decides to shoot the albatross with a crossbow. <laughs> And um, you know what Pretty happens much, yeah. next in the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> they would have used a black powder gun uh, if those were cannon. So, yeah. so the albatross's <laughs> name is Ogle. Um, that's that's wow. Basically, what I would have named the show. Um, but no, I watched a, I watched an interview with Ryan Dampsey. Uh, and he co-wrote the OGL at the time. <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting getting the perspective on it because when I was doing computer programming at the time, mind you, I kind of quit messing with D&D. Um, I stopped playing um, Magic the Gathering because I got tired of the company constantly looking like they were seeking for money constantly. And I was like, ah, I'm out. Um, and so when they picked up TSR, I was like, eh, okay, whatever. I don't need it. I play other games. Um, I really wasn't there. 
and when I saw the AOGL for the first time, I'm like, why would you do that for a game? I don't get it. I used open licenses all the time in the software stuff I was working with. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that made sense to me. I didn't even understand it. I did not fully understand what that brought to the table until now when I see what can happen if it's pulled away. Right. And, and the amount of, of ability, and it's the exact same thing, um, where you've got that situation. But he was talking about the fact that they pulled that in um, from that system. As a matter of fact, he even explained like um, why they didn't use a, a default uh, like Creative Commons to do this setup for the open license. Because Creative Commons has a bunch of different spectrum from very permissive to very restrictive. And if you just see the word Creative Commons, your brain is going to go to whichever one mm -hmm. you think is going to work best for you, right. regardless as to which Creative Commons it actually is. So they're like, we're just going to write this in plain language right? so that people can understand the intention, um, so that they will know that, they did, that, um, that this is coming out. And they talked about... Um, when they, when they first came out, they had only their spoken word for a few of the particular vendors at the time going into, was it a Gen Con? I can't remember. Yeah. They hadn't quite put the OGL out yet. It was but Gen they Con. gave those vendors that same permission. Mm -hmm. They made lots of money, but they had this security to be able to print those books, and they took the risk. Who, and Watsi actually kept their honor at that point it? and it was, it didn't was, go after it. Um, it was White, White Wolf Pisa. who had their um, well, yeah White Wolf wasn't around yet. It was uh, it was White Wolf who had their they did their Swords and Sorcery imprint and made the Creature Catalog that year. Um, yeah, it was, was um, Green Ronin. Of course, Chris Premis Green worked Ronin. for Wizards, and mm -hmm. uh, so he knew about all of it in advance and and dropped Death and Freeport at you know the, their first adventure at Gen Con. And there was one other as well. Yeah, it was a. Uh, was it? Was it Alderac? I, maybe. I was thinking somebody. It's somebody but, I knew, but. Yeah, I, I want to just to comment on the Ryan Dancy thing, by the way, because uh, and and I'm sure John will remember this uh, because it was such a huge deal, and and he was at the the core of the public face of the OGL when it was released. Yeah. Because it was he and Brian Lewis that put it together, and Brian was an attorney. You know, he did mm -hmm. the language. He was the actual you know writer of it. But and I noticed I've seen some quotes from him running around too. He's obviously uh, invested in what's going on right now. Just everybody is. But uh, it's interesting to me to watch these interviews now. And I don't have any personal kind of take on Ryan. I've I've known people that have very different opinions of the man, and the influence he's had on the gaming community and uh, industry since uh, he started. And he's still with uh, is it Atlas or somebody? He's still with one of the one of the gaming companies. That's. Um, but I think that's right. But he, uh, at the time, you know, in, in, watching his interview, this is what I should put this, watching his interviews now, and I've watched bits of a couple of them, there's this sense of when we made the OGL, it had this very kind of altruistic drive. We wanted to sp spread the joy of our gaming to everybody and give us everyone the opportunity to kind of rise together as the community took shape. But um, I think it's interesting how he isn't really talking about the fact that he was charged with making a product and a brand successful and, you know, drive revenue again when TSR was a sinking ship that they had just picked up out of nowhere. You know, mm -hmm. the second edition a product glut and uh, poor decisions at the uh, marketing level there and, and the decisions on what they made as product with it. I mean, just the diverse platform of products they had in the mid to late 90s. 
was killing the company. You know, I, I think they probably, like a lot of people, didn't go bankrupt because they couldn't afford to go bankrupt. <laughs> it's, it's like there's a point at which you have a warehouse full of shit you're never going to sell. All you're doing is begging somebody to come along and pick up your company for a pittance. And so Wizards did. And, uh, you know, they were charged with trying to make this profitable and come up with a way. And the there's a certain quality about the open gaming license when it was introduced that was not hidden or obscured at the time, in my estimation, that was about driving revenue for their game, pure and simple. Everything that people are putting out that references back to, remember the D20 license must, you know, requires the use, it had to be on the book, requires the use of the third edition player's handbook. Third edition Dungeons Dragons player's handbook had to be on your cover of your book if you're using the D20 license. You know, the open gaming license wasn't quite that specific, but everything was about driving their product towards success. And um, I was talking to, I know I've talked to several of you at different times recently, and uh, Brian and I happened to be on the phone last night, so it was like one of the more recent conversations, and he made a point that uh, it, somebody had made a comment that Watsi doesn't release a lot of quality material for their game. And he's like, well, I don't know about that. And so we got talking about it. And uh, But one of the things that Watsi doesn't do, especially in 5th edition, is release a lot of material for their game. Right. Their release schedule is actually pretty spare, you know. It's One picked to up two a little bit. A year. Yeah, picked up a little bit in the last couple of years because I'm sure there's a drive towards trying, hey, we got to create more revenue. Uh, but it has definitely been spare. And, you know, there's a sense of we're focusing on, you know, um, a release schedule that gives us control over how the community embraces yeah. and works. They, they focused a lot on organized play, et cetera, et cetera. But it brings back to the fact that even during the third edition days, they weren't releasing a ton of adventure material or anything. They were relying on a community that was built around it to do that shit. Right, a lot you on know. it, too. Like the, yeah. the Living Greyhawk stuff, that was a lot of volunteer and organizer written stuff that wasn't Wizards of the Coast written material. And that was an organization that, for a good example there, because that was an organization that was already in place and that was embraced by the paradigm when they moved into the third edition movement. Because with third edition D&D, they said, hey, let's go ahead and, because the realms had become such a big focus for them during the second edition years, let's go ahead and re-embrace Greyhawk as a core product and make that our default kind of setting. And then they released like a gazetteer for it. They released the Living Greyhawk softbound book, which had great material in it. Uh, that a lot of that was community contributed stuff, you know. And they did great things with it. And they obviously were supporting it at the organ. But again, they didn't have an organized play system in place anymore because the RPGA had been fading, and uh, the this community was in the state of flux and developing not not just out of control, but intentionally out of control. You know, mm-hmm. so how long was it? Do you, I mean, can anybody really remember that was there kind of at the time? How long was it before we started seeing signs from Wizards of the Coast that maybe this was a mistake? You know, maybe maybe giving away all this control. I think it was Anthony Volterra that really did it. The because Book of Erotic Fantasy <laughs> by Valar Publishing. And when Wizards it, went, mean, holy shit, I can't believe they did that. Right. <laughs> you know, and Anthony in, left the company just to publish that, by the way. He was the brand manager of D&D at the time. So, and in the OGL, they put in wording specifically stopping them from doing what they're doing right now. And I think that's coming back to bite them in the ass, too. Definitely. Because they have 
a part in there about how even if they update the license, you could just use the older license. So to um, to elucidate for those who are joining who have somehow missed the details, because there's so much information right now on the internet about this, so many people talking about it and venturing opinions, that I have already seen people not understanding exactly the core of what's happening. And Joe just kind of hit on it right there. The open gaming license that was originally um, released, part of, and I didn't understand the importance of this premise at the time. It would never have occurred to me, but my God, looking back, mm. the fact that it was irrevocable, yeah, the fact that this license was put into play and that you could always use a newer version of the license that was published, but you could never be restricted from using an older one. You could yeah. use any authorized version of the OGL. Now, and the I reason thought, go I ahead. it was perpetual, but not irrevocable. It's not irrevocable. Well, okay. It's perpetual. perpetual, you're right. Sorry. Yes. Pe- yes. Pedantically, the license only says perpetual. Dampsey did specify it was not intended to be revocable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have. They didn't use the lawyer language. I found it was a FAQ posted on wizards.com all the way back in February 9th, 2001. I found it through the archive.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They repeated that, just a few years back as well. Go ahead. Yeah. But one of the questions is, can't Wizards of the Coast change the license in a way that I wouldn't like? Yes, it could. However, the license already defines what would happen to content that has been previously distributed under an earlier version. In Section 9, as a result, even if Wizards made a change you disagree with, you can continue to use an earlier acceptable version at your option. In other words, there's no reason for Wizards to ever make a change to the community of people using the opening game license. Sorry, Wizards, there's no reason for Wizards to ever make a change that the community of people using the open game license would object to because the community would just ignore the change anyway. This was a FAQ wrote, written by Ryan Dancy yeah. back yeah. in 2001. And, and it was, it was oh, I can't remember if it was 19 or 17, somewhere just a few years back, uh, Wizards actually put out something, again, stating that that is something that would continue to be available. It was probably after 5th edition was released. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's, definitely. After those were probably not the lawyers talking either. That's right. true. Yeah, so this, that's true. This FAQ that I found was written by Ryan Dancy. Yeah. Yeah. And but posted Dampsey on wizards.com. Recently, that the original intention was that, that that would always be available. So, I mean, even here, that's that's language that I've seen um, oft repeated in the last few days online. That mm-hmm. that actual quote that you just mentioned, Joe. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is at the heart of what they're talking about now. There was a leak. Do we, can we really call it a leak? Okay. There was a Probably leak. Probably not. And, yes. <laughs> I mean... As of yesterday, <laughs> Wizards did nodding. confirm that no. that was their stuff. So it was leaked, but it has been confirmed by Wizards. Wizard, or Wiz- yeah, yeah, Watsy. They sent out two key people. Here's the new OGL. You have seven days to sign it. Right. And here's your NDA agreement before you can even look at it. So those people are under NDA, can't talk about it. So leak applies because somebody <laughs> got it to somebody else who could talk about it, and they weren't supposed to. Okay. That's also why uh, Wizards' announcement yesterday that they were looking for feedback is complete BS. No. Yeah, because they sent it out to be signed. Let's back up just a little bit, though. Before okay. yesterday. Before yesterday. So, <laughs> before all that. <laughs> right? Because like I said, we're recording this on a Saturday morning. Following, right. And we scheduled this show like three or four days ago. Yeah. So it's kind of like we knew we were going to be talking about it. We didn't know how much was going to happen between then and now. Then and now. Dude. 
Uh, I know, because at that point, I was my biggest thing was, was the Cobalt's uh, uh, thing saying that they were going to do something with the Black Flag. Cobalt Press, yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Cobalt Press. Uh, lots of great products. I, I buy, was, I I buy was a excited lot of to see yeah. that post. I have I like, four or five of the books upstairs right now. Yeah, you buy physical f- books? Yeah, I still do physical books. <laughs> Me too. but uh, Which means yeah, I couldn't a cancel lot. a D&D uh, Beyond subscription to, because I didn't have one. Okay, again, let's back up. <laughs> I know, I know. So who's read the stuff from the leaked document, which I assume is a boring read? I anybody? <sighs> Brian? Didn't, yeah, I did not make it through all of it. Oh, I've, I've read the whole thing. It reads like a software. It, it reads like EULA. It reads like a mm-hmm. software license agreement. Mm-hmm. No and one has ever read one of those, <laughs> except Brian. Right. <laughs> I usually read those, but uh, yeah, you I, would. I had a tooth extracted. I've been on drugs all week. As, as, oh, someone, as, as someone mentioned earlier, it's very, you know, it, it's got a lot of legal. Uh, it's very very legalese uh, i'm not a lawyer but it's it's it seem it's written in a very ironclad fashion yeah the only thing open in it is the title now <laughs> from what i understand <laughs> yeah. okay do you have any highlights for us brian i personally like the uh, well i just think it I, I think it's crummy obviously uh but uh you know in what section five six Seven, eight, is that five, six, seven? My eyes. Five, six, uh, seven, eight. eight yeah. uh, section 8A, where it talks about the modification. I think it's interesting that you know, they, this agreement is, along with the OGL, commercial, an update to the previously available OGL 1.08, which is no longer an authorized license agreement. So, all that discussion about they can't revoke it. They seem well, to think they can't. They're basically going to do. Yeah. Well, and, and if take you me to court about that agreement. Like, you do revoke it for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, Good you know, point. people later on like, well, they didn't mean to do that. You mean to tell me Watsy and Hasbro and their stable of lawyers that didn't know what they were accident. doing? <laughs> they just didn't oh, notice I that. I accidentally revoked it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, I slipped. That, that, those 17 words were not supposed to land in that order. And the <laughs> other thing. I'm going to blame chat thing, GPT I mean, there's, for that. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot in there to dislike. <laughs> That's that's one. The one that really gets my goat is where they talk about exactly what it is multiple times where they say, to be clear, OGL, and this goes for commercial and non-commercial. The only thing that changes is the word commercial or non-commercial. This is the non-commercial description is, you know, to be clear, OGL non-commercial only allows for creation of role-playing games and supplements in printed media and static electronic file formats. It does not allow for anything else, including but not limited to things. And then they list a whole slew of stuff that in some of this crap, I can't even figure out like who would videos, virtual tabletops, virtual tabletop campaigns, computer games, novels, apps, graphic novels, music, songs, dances, pantomimes. <laughs> ah, there goes my pantomime. Emotes. We were going to make money off that. Think about that. That means that. The only thing under this license that you can make is a PDF file or an actual print book. You know, you want to make something for Roll20? You want to make something for Fantasy Grounds? No, that's, nope, that's not allowed. Gonna that's not going to mm-hmm. happen. The only virtual tabletop you're going to be using is theirs, where the character well, sheets can, will probably be monetized. To and, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. If you license it, you probably could. So, yeah, but, and then I, mean, I saw people talking about language that's like anything else has to have a separate agreement with Watsi. Right. You know, I the, mean, go, go so far as to say you can't make a web page for like a character tracker or unless you reach some sort of agreement with them. Uh, it's just I can't. It is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stuff like campaign loggers, if it's specific to references D&D, you can't use it. Yeah, or it can't exist unless they come to some sort of licensing agreement with them. Uh, now, yeah, now it, you did make the comment about that being people have to sign this for it to apply. So that's when the contract becomes the contract. Right. Of course, if wow. you don't sign it and you create something, I mean, you kind of open your... I'm not a lawyer, but I mean... I Opening don't yourself to litigation. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I, or at least to cease and desist letters. And then you have to have the money to be able to fight it. And not all of us have that kind of money to be able to, you know, take on Hasbro. Mm -hmm. And that's a key point because in the court of, because a a legal contract is like an agreement and an agreement just kind of goes and people interpret it their own way. It doesn't actually have legal bite until it is brought through a court of law, which would require lawyers, time, and money. Lots of money. And in a and lot of the... I'm sorry, go ahead. The only, the, the only point at this point that we know in the court of law about anything copyrightable for what the OGL covers is the fact that you can't copyright gaming components like you can't copyright a recipe. Right. That's the only thing we know is that you can't that. If that extrapolates further, taking this to court could actually hurt creative people for yeah. uh, role play games. Because it can set precedent with Especially yeah. the big ones. Interesting. So and th- there is a thing. It's not being contested in court, but I don't think that's going to turn out well for anyone. No, mm-hmm. and whoever it would take, you know. Okay. Sometimes, so, sometimes, even if something's, even if you're in the right, even if you know you're like this OGL, it's not not legal. They can't do this. You know, it's civil court is different than criminal court. Civil court is about who can outlawyer the other person, who has right. the most money. You know, and I don't know who has more money than Hasbro that can withstand that law in this industry. Uh, This is foreshadowing for future stuff, by the way. (laughs) Well, there is the possibility of class action suits, and there are certainly gamer lawyers, and especially this company that's working on developing the orc. They're a separate legal firm. They might start a class action thing representing not just Paizo or a few companies, but all of us. All of us. Uh, and uh, there's an interesting thing too. Um, just to kind of clarify for anybody listening, one of the big reactions to this, because the responses have been varied, but have been largely focused in a few specific directions. And as as you can imagine by listening, if you haven't been reading about this or diving into it, and are still here, I'm watching Vanessa as my lit- litmus test because she didn't really do a bunch of research into this. I think like everybody else did. She was kind of like, I was like the other day, I was like, we're going to do this, get this panel together to talk about this. Are you interested? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So if she looks bored or is falling asleep, I know we've definitely gone too far. No, you're but, good so far. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, but one of the the big reactions, you know, amidst all the outrage, was okay. Let's make our own uh, open gaming licenses. Let's create gaming platforms that aren't related to the OGL and Dungeons and Dragons. And <laughs> frankly, I think that's fantastic. I'm okay yeah. with that. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Right. <laughs> Uh, and most of us play other games. All of us play other games. I mean, you know, it's maybe not religiously, but we we definitely have, you know, the ability to find other gaming entertainment that isn't D&D centric. So we definitely, you know, appreciate it. The idea that other companies who are, you know, who, who contain, you know, you c- contain the talents of, encapsulate the talents of some of the more 
renowned and experienced uh, game writers in the field are are definitely going to have the potential to put something great out there, but we don't know. We don't right. know. I mean, that's that's all. It's largely speculation and passion at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's this reaction to this idea that. You know, okay, Wizards is, is coming along and corporate greed is trying to take away our toys. And in some cases, taking away those toys is going to ruin companies, is going to yeah. destroy their growth. That was something we didn't touch on in this new OGL is the royalties part. Yeah, yeah. If, the, the royalties and the license back stuff. Yeah, the the, the royalties are if you make over 750000 a year, so that's not a lot of people, but there are... Gross. Right. Yeah, 750,000 gross. I was explaining this on a Twitch cast yesterday. It's, it's gross. It, it you can make 750,000 gross and still have a loss. Yeah. yeah. And there are the handful the of companies like Paizo, Cobalt, Green Ronin that are in that category where they want to, everything you make over that point off of your gross, they want to take 25% of it. Now, or 20% if you use Kickstarter. Yeah, 20% if you use Kickstarter. <laughs> because they worked out a special license. Now, wow. I've never published anything to put out to sell, but I know, like, Eric, you have a book that you've sold, and I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you don't make 25% profit on that book. <laughs> he, he also profit? doesn't make 750000 Well, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just saying that. So if suddenly they took 20.5% of gross, how many people, that's all of their profit margin and then some? Yeah, margins are thin. Dude, I barely made twenty five percent off of the T sales. Right, <laughs> I can't even. I can't be sure about that. Margins are thin, especially in print media. Yeah, and like I said, Cobalt Press. I have multiple of their physical books upstairs right now. They're fantastic oh. books, and, and it would kill publishing things like that. Since you can't copyright the components, you have to lean into your expression and art. And that costs money. Lots of you have to have word people yeah. write the words correctly. You have to have artists make the art correctly. And those art should be valued. And they are a key part of our industry. Because we all, the first thing we do when we open up a new book is go, look at, the pictures. Look at this art. Look at all oh, the pictures. Right. Yeah, I don't like this art so direction. <laughs> I'm going to set this book aside and not do it. <laughs> right. And the next thing is, wow, that's a boring read. Or actually, I made my way through that without... Blinking, you know, I didn't even but at least the book great. is pretty, yeah, yeah. Like some of my favorite shelf, books right? <laughs> that they put out from Cobalt Press are like they're basically the monster manual ones, the Tome, the Tome of Beasts, yeah. and, fantastic. And the oh, first thing face. I do when I get one of those, I flip through and I like a picture catches my eye. I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna kill people with this. <laughs> I was so sad during the characters. Kickstarter for the gonna kill characters with that. Sorry, yeah, it's good <laughs> to yeah, 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 play yeah, your yeah. characters with <laughs> this. It's a hefty book, though. I mean, just well, you might. The uh, when they did the Kickstarter for Toma Beast, they had that contest where they were like getting twenty creatures from contributors. Yeah, and I turned in a description. I decided, you know, how many are going to be low level monsters? Because people are always going like, I got to create the huge epic cool thing. Yeah. So, I, so remember the Mordian Shades? Yes. The, from the Monday Night Game, I submitted a, uh, them as a creature entry, and they didn't pick me. I was so sad. Ah. <laughs> it was great. It's a cool creature. Um, yeah, yeah, no, there's so, so much good content. And the idea that at some level you're going to have these creators who have to watch that, because with a Kickstarter, you never know, especially. Right. With with sales yeah. in general, you don't know. But with regular sales, you can make relative projections if you have, yeah. a, you know, some experience with it. I with a Kickstarter, you can't. <laughs> it's like, these, these numbers might be wrong, but I think I remember them right. But it's a D&D Kickstarter. It was when 
Critical Role was going to make their animated show. And they asked for, I believe it was $750,000 and ended up raising like $11 million. Yeah. <laughs> so you I guess never, that's a little over seven fifty. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, you never just, quite know what Kickstarter is going to do. <laughs> on the other so, hand, those wouldn't be covered under the new OGL. Yeah. Right, you wouldn't be so able to make those. Cr- creators uh, 1.1 yeah right you'd yeah. have to have a separate license yeah so just imagine those creators getting you know watching their kickstarter get up to seven hundred thousand dollars and then going shit we're there goes 25 percent campaign turn off the kickstarter turn off the kickstarter <laughs> it's only yeah. the amount above that but you would be cutting your margin thin above that yeah well and again sometimes you don't really have much of a margin because of production costs once you you set your goals based on what you need in a lot of cases to make yeah, your basic if you're selling a physical item and you get more pre-orders than you expected you're gonna have to make those books and that's gonna it doesn't matter that it's only taking off of the over seven hundred fifty thousand. if the run of books costs you a million to make you're screwed right you just lost two hundred fifty thousand dollars that's insane the the thing that i i hope i have this vision of a, a amusing universe in which this actually happens and that the worst possible case and that as printed, the OGL comes out, and then, oh, I don't know, an army of uh, uh, rules lawyers figure out all the different ways to fuck with it. <laughs> uh, oh, this is the wrong yeah. community <laughs> to try to yeah. legalize. So, and... We're going to have a Kickstarter for my monster book, uh, but I'm only going to print 40 copies of it, and then I'm going to do another ca- Kickstarter for the same monster it's book. A, but it's under a different a company. company. Yeah. That's the thing. It's going to have to be different companies because it's <laughs> like total <laughs> revenue across company. all of your <laughs> incomes. Yeah. I'm not doing that tax return. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have 20 companies? Well, so and everyone so, made $749,999.98. Hmm. There's there's another, there's another element of the OGL, the the that leaked OGL that I was interested in that um well that that everybody who wants to use the OGL has to register with Wizards. If you're making this much money that you have to like get their, your content approved through them and they were making some pretty um, solid rules about what type of content you could do. There couldn't be hate material and stuff like that in there and, and other inappropriate stuff. And I, I'm interested in the intent behind some of that social control stuff. But the I mean, they've they've tried, um, thanks to, again, community pressure to be a lot more open, a lot more uh, inclusive in their gaming. And we've seen a lot of that sort of stuff getting added to the game in the past couple of years. And so yeah. that looks like a continuation of that. But yeah, the, but their the problem ability with- to pay somebody on mm-hmm. their staff to monitor all that stuff, to, to review all of that stuff. If you're producing a monster book and it has to be reviewed, every single monster in that book yeah. is going to have to be reviewed for whether this is a inappropriate interpretation of a racial or social group in the world that's an incredible amount of work and who's paying for that why are you setting up to do this that's the issue with any censorship is it's a slippery slope of deciding what is right and what is wrong it comes down to a judgment they can come down to i don't like you as a as a writer so i can just reject your your book you can't print it the reason to censor that would be to make sure that it doesn't hurt the um uh, good faith not um the brand hurt the brand right right of course but they've been doing this for 23 years on the open gaming license but and and uh, nothing has come back and hurt the brand right even though people do things differently you're like oh (laughs) i'm not buying something from that company again because their name is clearly on it despite the fact that 
well, Wizards uh, is also on yeah. it because the OGL's on. I, I think I think a lot of this for me is Wizards and and Hasbro has been seeing the amount of money they're spending on litigation for very various items, and they're putting that into the new license so they can say, "Here's the new license. We said you can't do that." Yeah. They don't, you know, it makes their case, their court case I, a lot yes easier. No. I mean, they're also just looking for money. I mean, it, well, well, yeah. There's, there's this is the from the December 9th uh, article that was quoting the president of Wizards of the Coast during an investment cap a chat saying D&D has never been more popular and we have really great fans and engagement but the brand is really under monetized that's a direct <laughs> but, quote from the president but, of and, Wizards yeah. of the Coast and that was in reaction to somebody had put out an article explaining that this Wizards portion of Hasbro is what's making a lot of the Hasbro money and is giving Hasbro its worth and why publishing that article and making that aware to non-TTRPG investors in Hasbro, all of a sudden, all eyes are on, oh, how can we monetize this better so we get more back on our investment? Well, if it's already right. the big money maker, let's use it to make more money. And that's where things start going sideways, because all of a sudden, there's pressure from investors to Hasbro down to Watsi to try to see what we can do to claw back more control and get more money out of our property. Vanessa, you still okay? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I want to touch on a couple things because I mean, there, it's obviously obviously the rabbit hole is endless. Okay, mm. and that's what we're seeing on the internet right now. Right. Is the rabbit hole is fucking endless. Um, well, like a gopher den. Let's talk about the reaction. I think it's it's fascinating to see how the fan reaction exploded. Now we've all noticed how how contagious outrage is in any medium. Yeah. Yep. You know, we know how that rage. Works. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, what's uh, somebody used the term rageonomics? Yeah. Was that <laughs> was that Brian? Yeah, yeah. It's like that is fantastic, you know. And and, and we've we've seen what cancel culture has become in the last few years. That's five, six, eight years, ten years, whatever. You know, and how how rampant it has become in some circles, and how much is we we saw major developments in our culture built around. That phenomenon, which isn't inherently positive or negative, by and large, it is a simple, honest reaction. We saw the Me Too movement grow out of the ability to, you know, feed on uh, information that came out there that that built outrage and got people talking and talking and taking action based on it. So at first, when this outrage happens, it's just a lot of talk, right? And the first thing that happens is people going, you know, if this bullshit is real, this bullshittery cannot be stood for, okay? And then as the days went by and there was no official response out of the company, yeah, right, made it worse and worse. which we can all say is pretty clearly a miscalculation on their part, but I'm sure yeah. that at some level, well, I, I think it's relatively clear that they weren't prepared to deal with this. I don't right. know that I, I mean, they knew what was in there. Do you think yeah, they'd have well, a canned response for every John? thing they knew people were going to have an issue with? I, I like what you just said, John. What I say, I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I, I think that if you are uh, Wizards of the Coast, you have seen every single thing that you do trigger a negative response from the fan base. We're going to do, especially over the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah last, they, they have not uh, had a lot of big wins, and and. Uh, 
one D and D is not getting universal love right. uh, either. Yeah. So they're they're making thirty you know, in the hole. A lot of really <laughs> useful changes, the way it's being handled and stuff like that. It's not universally uh, uh, successful Acclaimed. as far as yeah. the, the what the you know all of us pundits for webs are saying. Yeah. Um, I think that they have flame retarded underpants and they trust them. Um, I think that they know that those of us who are vocal <laughs> on the internet. Uh, are a small part of their community, and they they probably believe wholeheartedly that the five to ten percent of their uh, community that they're going to lose over this, they're going to get back in uh, multiples when the movie comes out, when the TV show comes out, when all the other stuff coming yeah. for the brand comes, because the brand is way bigger than the game. Yeah. Um. I I think that all of this is. I mean, I don't think they they know exactly what the storm is going to look like. But I think they had to know this was going to be a big, bad storm. I think that they had to know that. Um, and, and maybe there's a strategy where they send out something they know is going to be reprehensible so that when they come back to what they really want, hey, it's a compromise. Like, All right, fine. OK, yep. live with this. Um, that, that's legit. I've it's, heard that. It's, it's called the door in the face technique. That's a common yeah. so, thing that people do. Yeah, I, I think that. Uh, uh, to, to imagine that they are surprised at the reaction that they're getting is not giving them en- enough credit. Okay. So um, uh, the fan ba- the, the outrage takes it one step further. And as we notice after a few days, it starts to bleed out of the core community, online community, the core plugged in social community that gives a shit. And we start seeing quasi mainstream coverage. Mm-hmm. We so start seeing because it's clickbaiting again. <laughs> yeah. Because we see, you know, we see uh, everybody from Screen Rant to Gizmodo talking about it. Right. And, you know, you have all this uh, interest in what's happening with the D&D community, because even if you are running, if you're running a channel that is oriented on some aspect or slice of the Venn diagram of the geek community that's going to overlap with Dungeons and Dragons sure. and tabletop role playing, it's worth it to bring it up. Now suddenly so D&D is in the news all over the place for free. Right. And we're yep. demonstrating it that a lot of people really love the game. Was it Gary Gygax said, you know, no no press is bad press when it came it, to the it, satanic it, panic? I'm pretty sure it wasn't Guy. Well, about satanic panic, yeah, but I mean yeah. that's that's I'm talking about D&D. Talk about yeah. D&D. That's yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> that's a very yeah. old trope, and it's <laughs> true. <laughs> I really don't think it's any big mystery why this is coming out right as they're ramping up for the movie coming out here soon, and oh, yeah. the that, new I've was it Open Twenty coming out soon, and so why the response yesterday? Why the letter? Which has reading the, through it feels like probably, a reaction. Probably because they were. I think it was because of the attack on Thursday when. Or was it Thursday? Yeah, yeah, when somebody Thursday. said, "Hey, we just heard from somebody who actually works inside of the company. The only thing they're really looking at for metrics is the money, which is the on. only thing they could really look at is the subscriptions on D and D Beyond. So yep. if you want to make your message heard, cancel your start canceling your subscriptions. And they were so canceling so fast and furious. They broke the web There page. were uh, <laughs> web errors. They were yeah. breaking the internet, yeah. uh, canceling." There From was, what I was reading, I was reading online. People are coming up with lore for the cancel dragon because when you cancel your subscription, this certain picture of this like clockwork dragon pops up, and yeah. he now has a full lore backstory. <laughs> uh, I, I read uh, an article. I saw a post on Reddit that said that uh, what was it? The the Twitter, the tweets to to you know telling people to cancel had gone in excess of fifty thousand tweets. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, and that's, that's a lot that's, in the the gaming community. I mean, that's why they released that yesterday on D and D Beyond because they didn't want to go through the three day weekend. Martin Luther, yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that yeah, one. Luther King. <laughs> they, they they're not working that day, so hey, uh, so it's going to be Tuesday. They they knew they couldn't wait that long while people are still outraged and canceling subscriptions yeah. left. I and think right. it was also a response. Not only was that part from the uh, person who works boy, at Wizards, it smells of crap. Paizo <laughs> also made their announcement on Thursday about the or the orc. Yeah, yeah. So I well, think it was a response a, to that with too. An outpouring of support from yeah. community yeah. game. And, and, and also, that was following preliminary ones I saw from other ones days before. Which yeah. I, and also had language that kind of alluded to the fact that, yeah, they also agreed that they didn't think that the license could be revoked and they were prepared to defend it in court. Right. In court, yeah. There, so when we got to the point about lawyers and having to actually get it to court to make it make, to interpret, because the court's going to interpret not just based on the words in there. Yes, irrevocable's not in there, but also revocable is not in the original OGL mm-hmm. either. One of the comments I saw in there was so from intent matters. Necromancer Games from the CEO, and um, you know, uh, is is Clark still with Necromancer? Clark Peterson. He was the head of Necromancer, I think, for a long time, and uh, he it was he was an attorney back in the day. He was a judge. He was an attorney back in the day when they were working on the OGL. He was one of the attorneys that could speak about it because he didn't work mm-hmm. for the company and was one of those people that that was like, yeah, this is all legit, guys. This is good. Let's do this. Um, and, you know, then helped start his own company. <laughs> right. I remember hearing they're, about that, too. It's, it's probably worth noting that they're also being strategic in where they post that update about the OGL post. Because that's going in D&D Beyond, where existing customers are. It's not uh-huh. coming out as a press release from the Dungeons & Dragons brand website or anything like that. They don't want that investors. anywhere near the people who are just trying to discover about D anD. d It's also somewhere where they were able to turn off the comments. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but they did so it's the say of, of, they were equivalent of an the, article or a blog post, basically right. at that point. Yeah. yeah, but they did say they were turning off. The, they were taking out the part where they were going to take that twenty five percent. Now I'm all for all right. Okay, fine. Say what you want, but until I see it in writing, yeah. Yeah. With that 25%, usual, I do have to say I loved on Paizo's part about the orc where they threw in at the very yeah. end that they're putting a discount code for their core rule books yeah. and stuff yeah. for 25%. Yeah. For the yeah. for the seven people who have not tuned out because <laughs> they've already heard all this. Yeah. That's us, right? One, two, three, four. Let's, five, um, yeah. You're right. <laughs> You're right. We're only <laughs> listening to ourselves. <laughs> I nailed it. Yeah, even my wife left. She was like, I'm gone. I'm out. Uh, let's speculate. What do we think is going to happen? You know, I, I John talked just a little bit there about the fact that uh, the brand is going to continue to thrive and this may actually yeah. help it as a marketing uh, scheme. It, I think that they'll, you know, like you said, with the advent of the move, I think you're going to get a lot of new people into it. Uh, I personally, I as a longtime fan, I mean, they've kind of pissed me off. I mean, especially with sure. their statement on D&D up, their D&D Beyond statement, that their final statement is fucking, it's oh, yeah. that it's shit. It's gaslighty where, as hell. Like. Yeah, that shit. Where, <laughs> a couple of last thoughts. First, we won't be able to release the new AGL today because we need to make sure we get it right, but it is coming. <laughs> Second, you're going to hear people say they won and we lost because making your voices heard forced us to change our plans. Those people will only be half right. They won, and so and did we. we won, too. Yeah, like, what a like, that was so shit <laughs> I mean, they're not going to give you a full mea culpa. They're not going to give you a, oh, my God, we were so fucking wrong. 
You're not going to get that, so don't expect We fired that. the guy that was responsible for... What kind of fucking PR nightmare? Like, why... You know, you could have just said you know, any statement other than that. I mean, you, know, you could have just been like, we're going to reconsider this, we're going to take this yeah. under advisement, we'll update something, we'll release something later. Right, we've heard the but, community, we're going to... Yeah. yeah. Really yeah, do... Instead, make a concerted effort the way something. they did. That statement is more of like a, fuck you, whiny bitches, I guess we'll go and do our work on this later and we'll come back later yeah, but you're not gonna get your it, it was, it, nah. yeah everything from second you're gonna hear all of that if you cut it out would have made this thing a million times better exactly they they well, should not have had that closing statement i think was, brian just recorded the trailer for the show <laughs> was, so with the albatross still, tied around watsi's neck we're gonna put him on the raft and well, push yeah, it's him just towards like, the man, abandoned they, island where they could just be by themselves they fucked the, up the people they fucked up magic the like, gathering and it's like how can you fuck up books watsi and that's how you, and they did it yeah <laughs> they did it people i really feel for in all of this I mean, the business part of this is really frustrating. The the disregard for the community piece of it is frustrating. But I really love 5th edition D&D. I think it's a mm-hmm. great addition. Um, I like it better than Pathfinder, even Pathfinder 2. Um, I, I like it better than, and than a lot of things. And I find it really useful. And it's great to find community and other people to play with and stuff like that. All of that stuff is good. Um, but the, the, the person I would hate to be most in all of this is somebody like Perkins or Crawford or the people right. who are the designers whose heart and soul is in this game and they have to watch through the portholes of this ship. Like, I told you so. Like, this was a dumb yeah. idea, but now you listen but to me. But they're now. not going to be able to publicly say that because well, I guarantee right. oh, they're under oh, non discriminatory oh, yeah, clauses. Not to mention their job might be on the line. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Well, they, work, they, they work designing Dungeons and Dragons. They didn't get there accidentally. Right. No, they exactly. did you it working in a lot of these OGL companies. Yes. <laughs> yes exactly. But, yeah, the, the, the OGL helped build the talent pool for designers and stuff over the last Absolutely. 20 years. Yeah, you outsource training people to the OGL. Yeah, I am all for orc, and I, I, if especially if it's a third party thing like the MIAA, where this other group is in charge of it for all the other surrounding community, right? So that this won't happen again. I think it's it's critical to understand D and D's special place in the industry, though. D and D is the door that people come through. And they're not going to encounter a lot of the other lesser named, lesser brand games, including Pathfinder, until they've encountered D&D and played it a couple of times or, or and then started to explore what else is out there. That's true. And so yeah. a healthy D&D is good for the entire industry. And, um, and you'll note that anybody that's talking about starting a new license, doing a completely different thing, they're still not talking about giving up the fight. Mm-hmm. Because right. mm-hmm. if the things go the way they're talking, it's going to be bad for anybody trying yeah. to do anything anyway. Right, right. It sets right. dangerous precedents. It creates expectations that shouldn't exist. Yeah, and, and I, that's important. I agree with Rich, though. I think that the idea of the orc, something that is third party, it, it won't have the same weight. It won't have the same uh, specifics that an OGL might have for a specific edition. But open source is incredibly powerful. Really useful. And I love seeing it really applied well in this space. It'd be interesting to see what they come out with. As far as a mechanical basis for any kind of open gaming, though, it depends a lot on what people come up with and whether or not I it's was really good. Surprised to learn Pathfinder Two was not created not part under of the, OGL. the OGL. Interesting. The set, I understand the it's different. Quite a bit different. Even affected by any of this. John, have you played the new Pathfinder game? Yes, I have. Um, yeah. It's the mechanics are different enough. 
the a lot of the I mean it's it's you can still see D and D in it, but there's a lot of fantasy games where you can still see D and D in them. Um, it's it's different enough that I'm I'm not surprised that they can say that it, it isn't dependent on the OGL. Um, and I I actually really love that they're in a position to be able to say they published the initial stuff with the OGL, not to to give themselves permission to publish what they were publishing, but to uh, continue to contribute to the community and let other people publish in their space. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think that it says a lot about the, the value of being a company like Paizo that is still small enough and privately owned and really interested in um, producing what gamers need and doesn't have to be beholden to shareholders and, and grander business interests that right. countered all yeah. that. I mean, they're not free from sins, but yes, it's, that's it a good yeah. position to be in. Yeah. So I have and, not and, I have not got ahead. a chance to try Pathfinder 2 yet, but I do have the books ordered now as of there yesterday. <laughs> their, their starter set looks really, really easy to work with. I have so, the starter uh, set and the core rule book ordered, but because of so many people doing that, it's it says it's going to be like a couple week back order. Oh, yeah. I have the perfect <laughs> edition of Paranoia. I'm digging you hard into that, and I'm probably going to be writing something in that. I support this decision. Anyway, so. <laughs> I've been I've been digging out a lot of my Savage World stuff. I just got yep. the Holler set. I'm going to be dicking around with that a lot. I, I support, support that decision, decision too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And I, 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 I'm yeah. My my best friend works for fandom, and I'm like, man, I sure am happy your company has nothing to do with D and D Beyond anymore. Right? Oh wow. He's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. right? So, I guess a couple things to kind of I think are are interesting notes to kind of enter the tail end of this conversation with. Um, one, the era that was begun with the OGL, it transformed the industry and made something of it that had never been. But it did that by creating a lot of access for a lot of content creators, great and small, uh, amazing and abysmal. You know, there's there's the the whole gamut is there, just like it has been there for time out of mind. You know, companies that did well, that marketed their stuff well, that created good material, that had the ability to continue creating content, they grew. And growth is the basic inherent purpose of any business as they attempt to move forward with their their brand, their product, etc. And so the the big threat here is that you're going to see companies' growth stimmied or eliminated where they weren't expecting it, where they, they're not prepared for it. And I think that that's an interesting thing that the OGL set this precedent where people felt people that were making these products felt confident that they would never have to deal with this particular development. Right, they're not going to get so they sued into oblivion for it. because right. they wrote you know now, a thirty-page pamphlet on something. Right now, it's possible that this will create an atmosphere of innovation. Disruption like this inevitably does, but there's no way these people who are depending on the OGL now, especially larger companies, can know that they're going to be the ones who innovate something that really matters. If you aren't in a position to create an avenue for innovation. If you know, if you aren't a multi-billion-dollar car industry or something, you don't have the tools in place to do that. In all likelihood, so moving forward is going to be treacherous waters for you, regardless, unless they can manage to get this whole thing shut down somehow, which I don't think is going to happen. No, I think we're pretty clear about the fact that Wizards is going to do something similar to what we've seen them talk about at this point. Yeah, 
maybe not as egregious, probably with different language, maybe with different abysmal ideas attached. But they're going to try to find ways to monetize their brand and feed their shareholders. Which is why I was going to which is why I was going to say to all the <laughs> listeners, the best thing you can do is respond with your money. If right. you if you support them, give them money. If you don't, take it away. On big or small companies, find the people you agree with and support them. Yeah, absolutely. The the second thing to consider is that disruption like this doesn't even though there are people that are going to suffer their companies that are not going to be able to continue to grow and may even fail because of it is not inherently a bad thing. And this development of Wizards goes the way they're going, and they shut down the ability of other people to utilize their core system and the OGL and everything with it. It's going to suck for a while, but there's going to be things that come out of it that will inherently be good because we have this huge pool of very creative and resourceful people out there working on these ideas. Some of it's going to suck. <laughs> Some of it's going to be amazing. And if the amazing stuff happens to get the right attention and people get behind it and support it, just like Joe is saying, then you will find that we will have new gaming opportunities that grow. Back before the OGL, I mean, the, the gaming industry, the tabletop game industry was facing difficult times in the mid-late 90s. They were, D&D was the biggest example of that, but they were as an industry starting to cringe at their sales numbers, starting to have trouble making an impact. And part of that was that we had seen the development and the introduction of so many new companies and their products in the 90s, after, especially after White Wolf introduced the World of Darkness stuff and brought in a huge new player base, that we had all these different, you know, these different pieces of the pie that were getting thinner and thinner and thinner, right? So nobody was making the kind of money they needed to continue the business model they had. So the OGL gave us a way to respond to that and create momentum, but in the shadow of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's that's kind of obvious. And consequentially, we've seen a lot of out of that. But back before that, we had a lot of games out there that didn't look like D&D and didn't look like each other. People were perfectly capable of creating amazing content and great game systems that weren't clones of each other. I mean, D&D had been around since the 70s. It had set a standard pretty early but companies started coming out in the seventies with alternate products yeah. right off the bat. Wasn't GURPS some of those pre OGL? survived them? What's that? I said wasn't GURPS like pre OGL oh, also? You're, yeah. you're so young, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Like this is way before I was playing. This is just. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, sure GURPS about- goes back to what early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, yeah. So there uh, were other systems out there. It's just that D and D was Cthulhu, the one that took off. Uh, the Palladium game, you know, role playing game, uh, Hero System. You know, yeah. a lot of these old games. Yeah, I, I, you know. I, I think that all of that's true, and it's also true that it probably required the marketing resources of a company like Hasbro to really help make D&D the cultural phenomenon it is right now. That yes. All of those small games were always going to be small games. Rollmaster was ne- well. Rollmaster's got its own things, but it was, it was never <laughs> ever. Nobody's got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's, it's all of those small games. World of Darkness had uh, probably a decent chance just because of the affinity with that goth community and stuff like that, that it might have had some ability to, to get into the zeitgeist in a, in a bigger way. But really, D&D need, needed Hasbro money, Hasbro marketers, Hasbro uh, strategies to make it this big to reach 35 countries in 17 languages and whatever. Right. Yeah. right. And, and now that feeds and supports everybody. 
Everybody remember the original uh, D&D movie when it came out? Yeah. You know, uh, like, come on, I'm still trying to forget. <laughs> you know, like, it's only been what? Th- this whole, years. this whole, f- exactly. This it was right. It was actually before Lord of the Rings. It was like six months before have, the Fellowship of the Ring. Have you guys? Because I remember people going to the theater and saying, "Oh, guys, just I, we're sorry. Wait six months, <laughs> and then we'll get an actual fantasy film." Have you guys did that movie on Exposition Street? No, we Not need yet. to, don't <laughs> we? Yeah, especially before Dungeons the new and Dragons. One comes out. Oh hell yeah! You need to do that before the new Richard's one comes shaking out. Shaking his head like, "Why would you do cry. this to me?" Have you ever seen it, Vanessa? It's it, been a long it time. It actually wasn't horrible. <laughs> I kind of liked it, but it was kind of horrible. But yeah, I mean, not a rewatch. The, the problem was that it the brand was I so liked. precious, so precious to so many of us. And then them building this movie where, you know, for, first of all, Corey Solomon did not have any vision, but building this movie that had no budget behind it. And just, just, you know, the only thing great about it as a and d fan was the Easter eggs that made me feel like it was a and d movie. The rest of it was just like, like a bad why fantasy am movie. I doing this to myself? <laughs> yeah. It needed there a were better unicorn movies. in it. <laughs> there, uh, anyway, <laughs> this, this March, right? Or whatever, March or April, March. whatever it is. Yep. I think we're going 20th? to have a big budget, you know, heavy release Dungeons and Dragons branded movie that's got A-listers in it. That's going to have real potential to change that dynamic and make people forget that they ever tried before. March thirty first, that's the end of March. I'm I'm super interested to see what they do with it because I think that there's an inherent problem in trying to make a Dungeons and Dragons movie in that Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> isn't a single storyline. It is all storylines. It's all kinds of things. You can make a. It's not even a single world. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Dragon I mean, Rights movie. At least I know what I'm going to go see, and my expectations yes. are going to be there. I'm going to a Dungeons and Dragons movie. It's going to be hard to meet those diverse expectations. Yeah. I'm because to see what they do. I think the other if problem, you, sorry, Rich. I think the other problem uh, is if you aren't. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you aren't doing fan service then why is, are we doing a movie? To. But if you put fan service in, it's not going to make it a great movie. Because it doesn't mean anything to the broader audience. Yeah, and I, a, I think I have a, a kind of similar comment there, is that you have the D&D movies, and it's some guy's made-up world. It's not like, hey, here's a Forgotten Realms movie, where right. you have a lot of that backstory, and then you hate, like, bring in your friends and stuff. You can get the fantasy stuff, but you have a lot more of the tie-in. It's like it's some, some guy's... Note. Like, tell me about your character, bro. (laughs) Dude, important to note that every time they go make a computer game or video game with Dungeons & Dragons branded on it, it's a specific world, it's a specific... You know, there there are elements that we already have some kind of connection to. Mm -hmm. Choosing not to do that is a bold and provincially dumb move. But I'm still going to see the fucking movie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It it doesn't have to be a a tabletop role-play game to do that because Mm -hmm. they screwed up Aragon similarly. Right. We don't don't talk about that movie. (laughs) That was even worse than Dungeons & Dragons. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And it looked prettier, but it was worse than Dungeons & Dragons. Um, uh, guys, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time this week to talk about this. I know that it's, um, a frustrating situation to see developing in our, in our cherished industry here. There are other and, role-play uh, systems. Yeah, yeah. No, there I'm are. I'm my popcorn here. I'm and still going to role-play. We're all very cognizant of that, but we also all play D&D. Yeah. You know, 
and it may not be necessarily you know what we need it may not necessarily be where we'd go if we had other if we felt like we had a better option right then or what have you i know vanessa is uh, first and foremost a savage worlds fan at this point um which is my second choice for system it's definitely in john's top three or four mm. I, I i don't feel like there's any question that we have other options that are always at our fingertips and are fantastic alternatives but for me at some level i will never be able to not think of them as an alternative right i've been playing D since 1983 it's part of i mean i've been doing it longer than almost any i've been doing it longer than almost anything in my life except breathing uh-huh. you know I didn't start playing. I, I, I've been a musician since I was a teenager. I've been a dungeon master since I was in fifth grade. You know what I'm saying? It's just ridiculous how much of my life. It, and and I'm, not, it, I'm not a casual gamer, am I? Podcast. I run a convention. Right. You know, just like all this shit that's happening, built, reaching out to this bigger community, meet, you know, building this global community around what we do and meeting these people all over the world. That's another thing. All this shit we're talking about that affects copyright law and all that stuff. How much does that affect anything going on in another country? Maybe if we want to start serve, you know, services they can't stop, we put it do do what the, all the the pirate bay people do, and we put it on some <laughs> server in the middle of fucking ocean. You know, maritime law doesn't stop us, goddamn it. You know, look into Zealand. Character <laughs> trackers are European. <laughs> it's all out of Austria. You know, go out of Zealand. It's the best micronation out there because you can buy a lordship for it, including the one I have hanging on my wall right An there. An actual lordship, oh, there not go. a yeah. fake one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. I have one hanging right there. I'm sitting here trying to think about all the things that I started doing when I was about 11 or 12 or 13 and uh, how long I've still been doing them. And there's really only one other thing I've done that whole time. And I'm not going to say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. We all appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I, uh, but so yeah, it's just a lot to deal with. It's, it's been a lot this week and I'm, I don't know if the fervor is going to really kind of fade anytime soon. It's going to continue to transform obviously as the situation continues yeah. to change. And that's why the, in, in essence, this podcast is kind of a snapshot of today, right? Because the situation is going to be different tomorrow, the next day, <laughs> what have you. I noticed Rich has been loading a ton of links about stuff we've been talking uh, about just in the chat. Notes. I, I like and, your little uh, comment on yeah. the D&D Beyond one right there. I know. FanFap, I thought, was the best. Uh, <laughs> FanFap. The best way to describe the update. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, I'll uh, see you. Uh, I could cherry pick through some of that and see if there's some links I should include here. But Yeah, yeah. But, by and large, I'm kind of to the point where if you can't fucking find information on this online, you are not <laughs> online. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's just no way. There's probably an archive.org link by this point, too, so if they ever go and delete it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to throw the archive or- for yeah. the one that I uh, found that old yeah. OGL stuff on. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, you know, for those of us who are around, you know, all that time, which is, uh, if, I mean, all of us, except for, I think, Vanessa, have been gaming since before the OGL. I guarantee you know, I haven't. Whether I, I or not, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Joe, sorry, yeah. Yes, I forget. I, I tend to forget. Joe Joe got into this uh, more recently in life, too. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, um, It was. And I ran, uh, I ran Vanessa's first Savage Worlds game. I don't know if she'd played D&D before that or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sean and Eli's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, same, same. My, same I think I started around 2017, 2018, not long after 5th edition came out. 
first time and, I ever and, tried a different system other than D&D was at TsunamiCon. Right. And I was just saying, you and Alicia are hardcore D&D people. Yeah. Going all the way through it. Fifth edition, you know, inter- introduced to it. Mostly, I know you guys did a little bit. We before, did a little 3.5, but, but it, that only lasted for a couple months before we jumped into fifth. You know, it just, this community has grown and exploded in so many ways in that time. And uh, it's been really a lot of fun being part of it. This this week has not made it particularly fun. Yep. Um, and that's the part that bugs me. Mm. It's like, I like to get on the air and talk about my favorite hobby and talk about all the shit we could do to make it more fun and engaging and immersive and interesting this conversation was not that. Right. This conversation is acknowledgement that there's shit going on that affects us all and that, um, well, everybody else is doing it. Yeah. If we don't, what are we, what are, are we not communicating about something truly important to our community, to our fan base, you know? So we, we certainly aren't big enough to have to sign an NDA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can come for twenty five percent of my profits. I have no problem with that. Twenty five percent of zero, zero is zero. Oh, I'm so happy if they would pay that twenty five percent of the expenses. That'd be great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm all That's in. Fair. You want twenty five percent? Here you go. My uh, Here's the bill. Uh, my. Uh, <laughs> Patreon, if you if you want to support the show, by the way, and everything else the community does, we have a Patreon. Um, my Patreon in, uh, income no longer supports, uh, no longer gives me enough to cover my expenses to run the show and everything. So this is an out of pocket expense again at this point, and that's fine. Uh, that's and the, you know, and I mean that web hosting and you know all the software stuff that I use to to do everything, the licensing, you know, even getting my ratings, you know, everything. It, it all adds up, right? It's not a huge expense, but I don't bring in a lot of money. Is this I do where want we, to think, um, Is this where we say mm-hmm. shop? Yeah. I do want to thank everybody that listens who is a patron and has, you know, done so much to help uh, help make this possible, especially the last couple, three years during the pandemic when <laughs> it probably would have faded if I didn't have a way to bring in that, that cash to help out. Um, you know, present company included in some cases, obviously. And, uh, I, I, I got a new patron or two this week. Um, uh, Peter is actually signed on as one of the high level patrons. Hi, Peter. Oh, nice. Oh, yay. Hi, this Peter. Morning. One of us. So I'm sure he's not listening now because my God. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> who would be? <laughs> hey, I'm thankful to anybody who made it this far through all of this. And if he is, he'll correct me. I say, I, I'm fine. the crazy person who once this gets posted, will re-listen to it. <laughs> I got um I got an email from uh Tad this week too who was like uh you guys keep saying you're not getting emails what about the one I sent you on the 19th of November and I'm like we recorded one show <laughs> since the 19th of November and that was a conversation with Brad from Midwest Game Fest I didn't want to bring up emails but I will definitely forward it to Jesse and make sure we talk about it on the next roundtable. Uh, but it wasn't going to be this show, obviously. Assuming nothing else blows up. Right. right. So um, our topic for today. No, I'm joking. Uh, thank you, guys. <laughs> please, please don't do that to me, man. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, thank you, everybody, for spending a little time with us uh, for this show. Um, if you made it all the way through it, uh, congratulations. Give yourself uh, inspiration. And uh, remember, that's a session mechanic. So as soon as we hang up, it's Over. useless to you. <laughs> Dang it. I was going to use that on Monday. <laughs> Right? Who who decided session mechanics are a thing? God damn it. Uh, give yourself a Benny. Uh, nope, that doesn't work either. Um, how about a fake? No, that doesn't mean. Okay, well, I'm out of ideas. Uh, thank you so much for listening to uh, this episode of Metagamers Anonymous. My name is Eric. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. I'm Joe. I'm Ken. 
I'm Brian. And I'm John. And mostly I was talking to Vanessa. Thank you very much for listening, Vanessa, to this episode. <laughs> Quality control. Studio I made audience. it. You made a wonderful <laughs> litmus test. Really lovely. I thank you so much for being there. Um, yeah. If, and if people could see us now. Ah, uh, wow. <laughs> Alpatross's name is Ogle. Yeah.